what I want to do is I want to continue with this theme or this idea out of John chapter 2 that we've kind of been carrying on for the last few months of when Jesus is turning the water into wine and Mary tells the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's what we've kind of been looking at. That's what we've been building this year on so far as whatever he tells us to do, do it. And how we're going to find that out, how do we know what he wants us to do, is by reading the word, by getting in scripture, by going to church. That's what we're going to learn about the commands that Jesus has for us. So we know we're doing what he asks us to do. But tonight I want to go off this idea of um, what do we do if we, what happens when we don't do what he tells us to do? What do we do when we get caught up in sin or we start to wander away from God or we start to, or maybe we don't know God yet. Maybe we're not even saved. Maybe we, we've chosen not to give our life to him yet. So what do we do when we don't do what he tells us to do? That's the theme kind of that I'm going to be running with tonight. So a lot of you may not even relate to this message tonight because you're walking with God. Things are going well. But there may be some of you in this room tonight that have wandered away from God, that are, are going on a path that is taking you away from the cross not toward the cross. Or maybe you've got friends that are like that. Maybe this message would be something that you can turn this podcast or this message over to one of your friends who has gotten far away from God. Because we're going to be talking tonight about the prodigal son, where this, this prodigal son, he, being a son, was in the family. And he chose to do some things that didn't honor God, and we'll get into that in a few minutes. So we're going to be talking about a father and a son tonight more than anything is what we'll be talking about. And within that, we're going to be talking about God as well. But I got a question since we're talking about kids tonight or sons and daughters, if you will. I want you guys to turn to your tables real quick and answer this question and then also read the scripture tonight at your table. And then I'll break the scripture down again when we get back up to the front of the room. But here's what I want to ask you guys to talk about tonight at your table is where are you in the birth order of your family? Are you oldest, youngest, or middle? And how does that play out in your family? So, Or you may be an only child. So turn to your tables. Talk about that for just a few minutes, and then we'll get back into the message in just a second. And we'll get into the message, and I'll give you guys some time back at your small groups here in just a little bit. I want to set the stage just a little bit on what's going on in Luke chapter 15 as we get into the, the parable of the lost son. Basically, what's happening is it says now at the beginning of chapter 15, it says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners and the Pharisees and the teachers were all together. So Jesus takes a prime opportunity to teach a lot, of group, a lot of different groups of individuals here, and he's got a special message for each group as he goes through the next three parables is what he's doing. One of them is the, the, the parable of the lost sheep. The other one's the parable of the lost coin, and then the parable of the lost son. The parable of the lost sheep is this. He's telling everyone listening, if you had 100 sheep and one went astray, you would go after the one and bring them back, and you would celebrate having the one more than you would the 99. In other words, Jesus goes out and he's looking for people. God's Because the scripture says Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. So if you were once lost, he came looking for you. And depending on how you respond to that is determined on the relationship that you might have with him. The parable of the lost coin is where a woman had 10 coins and she lost one. And she did everything she could to find her coin and when in her home. So she moved couches, she moved furniture, she swept the floor, and when she found her lost coin, she rejoiced. <clears throat> that is a, an example of someone coming to Christ, someone giving their life to the Lord, a salvation experience for someone who realizes what Jesus has done for them. That's the two examples. But I want to make it very clear to you guys what a parable is, because Jesus taught a lot in parables, in stories, and parable is simply this. It's a story, it's a story used to illustrate 
a spiritual lesson. So when Jesus is teaching parables, it might not be an exact truth or an experience, but it's a spiritual story meant to give you a spiritual lesson. It's a story meant to give you a spiritual lesson. That's what a parable really is. So when you look at this parable, there's a couple, there's three people in the, the, parable, the parable of the lost son. I'm not going to cover the third one, the begrudging brother. I just don't have time to do that tonight. So we're going to focus on the father and we're going to focus on the lost son, the prodigal, the one that goes astray. And that basically what you see there is the father in Jesus' parable is going to represent God the father in heaven. And the prodigal son is going to represent the one who is a sinner, who has gone astray, who has left the family, who has taken off on their own and went into sin and went into wicked living, if you will. So that parable that we're going to look at tonight describes the passion of a caring father is what it looks like and his runaway son. So when you think about this, this is someone in my mind when I read this parable that you guys just read through, which I'll cover again in a second, this guy is in the family. He has a father and another brother in him. He is in the family and he decides he wants to leave. And I don't want to get into this real heavy tonight, but a lot of people will tell you in life there's a doctrine, there's a doctrine called the perseverance of the saints. And that means once I've given my life to Christ, I'm saved forever, nothing can happen to me. I cannot lose, walk away, change my relational status with Jesus. Once I say yes to him, I'm good to go forever, no matter how I live. That is not biblical in my opinion. And you see it in this story. Because this guy, so when I give my life to Christ, I become part of the family of God. This guy is part of the family in the story. The prodigal son is part of the family. We just read that, right? But he decides he wants to leave the family and go out on his own. So to me, reading that means that I, I, I and Pastor Dan shared this on Sunday, I, I don't like the term lose my faith. I didn't lose it, if you will. I either forfeited it or I left it. But it's in a relation, I am in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And a relationship can be broken. Jesus will never break this relationship with me, but I can break it with him. A lot of people will say, if you look at the scripture just as a rabbit trail for a second, Jesus says, no one can pluck you out of my hand. But it doesn't mean that I can't get up and walk out. No one can pluck me out of the hand of the Lord when I give my life to him. Nobody can. And I agree with that 100%. But it doesn't mean that I've lost my free will. And it doesn't mean that I've lost the choice to either walk with God or not walk with God. And remember, we walk with God by his grace. So when you hear the perseverance of the saints or once I've given my life to Christ, I can't, I can never, that status never changes. That's not true, according to scripture. And I think we see that tonight in this, in this story that we're going to read. And I want to make that clear to you guys so that you understand that. There's three things I want to look at tonight. The prodigal's rebellion, his repentance, and his returning. And we'll weave in some of the father along the way in this story as well, okay? So I'm going to read verse 11 through uh, 11 and 13 to start with, and then we'll go ahead and break this down. It says in verse 11, if you'll follow along in your bulletin, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided, the father divided up the property between them, between him and his older brother. <clears throat> Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. There's a couple of things in there I want you guys to grab a hold of. This guy who asked for his inheritance, he asked for what his dad was going to have given to him when his dad died. The guy had the right to ask for it. He had the right to ask his dad, give me what's mine. So his dad split it up between the two boys. But in a sense, what this guy is doing, it might be right, but it's not very loving. 
Because in a sense, he's telling his dad, I wish you were dead. I'm sick and tired of living under your rules. I'm sick and tired of living this way. I wish you were dead. Just give me my money so I can go. I remember what it's like to be your age. And I remember how bad I just wanted out of my house. I didn't get along with my dad. I had a horribly bad relationship with him. My mom's a saint. I just wanted to go. I couldn't wait to turn 18 to get away from my family. So I know what, I get the sense that this guy is doing. And the reason why I wanted to go is because I didn't want anybody to tell me what to do. I got sick and tired of being told what to do. So I just wanted to go. I wanted away from my parents because I was over it, if you will. So this guy had the right to do this. It wasn't very loving what he did, but he basically told his dad he wished he was dead. But here's what I, here's what I really do believe. If you go down and you look at your bulletin, it says it, one of the things, here's what the father did that strikes me. And I, I look at this from a dad perspective. The father gave him his inheritance. And you don't see, you don't get the sense that he argued with him. You don't get the sense because he knew what he was going to do. So God will give you the ability to do what you would like with your life. God's not going to hold you under his thumb. He's not going to make you stay walking with him. He's not going to make you be, continue to be part of this family of brothers and sisters in Christ. God wants you to choose to have a relationship with him. And it strikes me that the father, he didn't go after the kid. He didn't chase him down. He let him go. Because this guy said he wanted to go off and squander all that he had in wild living. And wild living means drugs, partying, whatever that looks like. That's where he wanted to go. But here's the thing that I want you guys, if you get nothing else out of tonight, here's what I would want you guys to watch. There's, a, there's so much within this parable, but there's a couple things that really land on me personally. And in your bulletin it says, his heart was in a distant country long before he ever arrived there physically. What I mean by that is this. When he said, Dad, give me my money, he was still living at home. Physically, he was at the house. But in his heart, he'd already left for a distant country. Because I'm going to prove this to you in two different areas in this scripture. I really believe this, you guys. Where your heart goes, your body will follow. Every single time. This kid wanted away from his family. He wanted to go do what he wanted to do. He wanted to live the way he wanted to live, and he didn't care. So he had this dream of enjoying his freedom in a far-off land. And when he left home, he went to a distant country, which in my ears rings loudly that it separated him from the Father. He chose to leave God the Father. He chose, because remember, the Father in this parable represents God. So this kid had to go, I'm out. And when he left, he went to a distant country because we've got to remember, sin does what to us? It separates me from God. Sin always separates me from my relationship with the Lord. And over time, the more I sin, the farther away I get. Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. But we're the ones that change the, the address of where we're doing as far as what we're living. There's a, I don't know who Thomas Huxley is, but I found this quote and it strikes me very interesting. A man's worst difficulties begin when he, is, when he is able to do just as he likes. I'm going to read that again because I want you guys to hear this. A man's worst difficulties begin when he is able to do just as he likes. In Scripture, there's a story in the Old Testament where it says, There was a generation that knew not the things of God, and every man did what was right in his own eyes, and it was destruction head on. And I look at America today, you guys, and I really see the sense of that, that aroma, that attitude in our own country. Leave me alone. 
Let me do what I want. Don't judge me. Don't identify me. Don't categorize me. Leave me be. Let me be. And what we're doing is we're seeing a generation, not everybody, but we're seeing a lot of people in America being raised up to do not know the things of God because we are doing our dead level best to kick God to the curb in our country right now. Morally, schools, politically, you name it, we're doing our best as a nation now, to, as a leadership of a nation, to kick God to the curb. And I want you guys to remember, there was a generation that knew not the things of God, and they did what was right in their own eyes, and it killed them. It destroyed the Israelites. And this guy says again, man's worst difficulties begin. Begin when you get to do exactly as you like. So when you go off to college, I want you guys to remember this. When you go off to college, you're going to get to do basically what you want to do. And you better be careful because that's when your worst difficulties will begin. Because we start making choices on our own. Sin promises freedom, you guys, but it brings only slavery. I had a conversation with a guy this morning at the coffee shop. And he has, a, he has a horribly bad problem with alcohol. And he's tried over and over, and he's not a Christian. Doesn't know the things of God. He doesn't understand scripture, explains everything like we talked about last week. Over and over, he's tried, and he's tried, and he's like, I don't know why I can't get away from it. And I explained to him, I said, because number one, it's sin. To be a drunkard is sinful. The way he's living his life is full of sin, which separates him from God. But he needs to understand that sin will tell you, you get to do whatever you want. Go ahead, it'll be okay. Nobody's going to know except you and me, right, or whoever you're with. Sin will promise you freedom but you become a slave to it. And like I told this guy this morning, the reason you can't quit doing that is because you are a slave to it. You lose your ability to choose because you become enslaved to your sin and it will take you in a direction that is far away from God. Jesus puts it this way. Jesus, Jesus replied in John 8, 34, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. I don't think Jesus is lying. If you've got a job in this room, you work because you want to get paid, Right? Yes? That's why we work, because we want money. We need money to pay bills, go do fun stuff, right? Here's what Romans 6.23 says. For the wages of sin is death. So you're paid, your, your, your wage, if you're in sin, is going to lead you to death spiritually every time. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So you've got to realize that sin's gonna, sin will bind you up and it will lead you in a direction you do not want to go. But I want to read 14 through verses 14 through 16 because if the, the wages of sin are death, this guy's got to have some consequences in his life. Turn back to the scripture. It says, after he, after he had spent everything, there was, a, there was a severe famine in the whole land and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, that distant country in which he went, who sent him into the, fee, in, in the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. That might not seem like a big deal, but this kid was a Jew, and Jews had nothing to do with pigs. And he got himself so far down in sin that he was even willing to go feed pigs and he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. That's how bad he got. That's how far down in despair and desperation that sin, this wild living that this guy wanted to do, he wanted his freedom. He wanted to do everything his own way. And what happened to him was he ended up doing something that Jews despised. I can't even imagine what this guy had to think. How did I get here? For those of us who are a little bit older in this room and who've been in sin, we know that conversation with ourselves. 
How did I even get here? I don't even want to be here in this mess that I'm in. But they're not realizing they're a slave to it. They don't have a choice to it. And they keep responding to it. Does that make sense to you guys? I want you to realize that when you get yourself caught up in sin, you become a slave to it. And it will lead to death for you. And that death is a separation from God in the relationship with him. So you see that. What you see is the prodigal son um, thought he would find himself far away from his father. I remember being like that as a kid. I remember thinking, man, if I could just get away from my dad, I could be who I wanted to be. I didn't have to be who my dad said I was. I didn't have to listen to the bum anymore. I could, if I just get out of here, I could be who I want to be. I could do what I want to do. I could be my own man, right? But what he found out was getting away from his father, but the only thing he found out is he lost himself in the things of the world. Trying to find himself, he lost himself by going into the world, you guys. If you really want to find you, you ready? If you really want to find the true you, who am I? There's only one person that's going to explain that to you. There's only one person that's going to reveal who the real you is. And you're not going to find it in the world. You're going to find it in the Lord because he's the one who created you. He's the one who's put these dreams and these ideas in our heart. He's the one that will develop them if we let him have my heart. If I let him have my heart, he will develop me into the man that I desire to be. I remember when I was a slave to sin, I just kept wanting to be a certain guy. I was like this guy. I got away from my family. I got away from my dad, and I got lost in the things of the world. But I knew in here what I wanted to be. I knew in here the type of man that I wanted to be. And when I looked in the mirror, I didn't see him until at the age of 38 when I gave my life to the Lord. And here's how I look at it. If I knew the type of man I wanted to be in here, I didn't realize who planted that seed in my heart. And who planted that seed in my heart is God. And when I gave my life to the Lord, he started to develop that desire, that dream, that idea of who Dan really is and who he wanted to be. God gave me that. So this kid got away from everything, thinking he'd find it and doing his own thing, and he lost himself in the world. And what, what we got to understand with this is we got to get back to God because God's the one that's going to reveal who I really am. Number two point is repentance, verses 17 through 19. Let's read those real quick. <clears throat> Where am I at here? When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will go, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I no longer am worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your, make me like one of your hired servants. If you ever get to where this prodigal son is, if you ever get yourself to where I'm not doing what he tells me to do, I'm doing everything but what he tells me to do, I've got myself caught up in sin and I'm far from God and I don't even know how I got here, but when you come to your senses, notice how it says that? When he came to his senses, when he looked up and he realized where he was at and he looked around and he saw his circumstances, he realized how deep in sin he really was. And then that's where you see a repentant heart come into play. To repent means this, to change one's mind. This guy never moved. This guy's sitting in the pigsty, and he's sitting here, and he's looking around, and he's thinking to himself, I'm a Jew. I'm surrounded by pigs. I'm wanting to eat the pods of the pigs. If you've ever fed pigs, they don't eat nice stuff. They eat everything that we don't want. And he's sitting here, and he's looking at this, and he's thinking to himself, how did I get here? he's thinking about home and he's thinking about how good his father is and he's thinking, man, even my father's servants have food. Maybe I'll go home and I'll tell him that I've sinned against heaven and against you, Father, and, and take me back. 
I'm not even worthy of being your son anymore. But just make me one of your servants. Make me one of your slaves. He never moved, did he? It doesn't say he got up and along the way he decided this. Do you remember your heart? His heart went home before his body ever followed. You guys understand that? You're picking up what I'm laying down. I want you guys to realize where your heart goes, your body will follow you guys, be it good or be it bad. But this is how bad this guy's situation was. But he changed his mind. That's what it means to repent. I'm walking in one direction, and I, and I realize I'm walking away from God. I've got myself in sin. I don't want to do this any longer. I change my mind, and I repent, and I come back. But here's what I want you guys to realize. <clears throat> this, is, this is something with repentance I think a lot of people don't understand. When I want to repent, it's not me that repents. Hear how I'm saying this. I repent, but I'm, I'm given the ability to repent, the grace to repent by God. God gives me the, the grace to even repent. So before I ever even think about it, God's the one prompting me to do this. God's the one calling me home. The Father is calling me back. So God gives me the ability to even repent. So even as I'm repenting, I'm being obedient to God. You guys understand that? So you got to know that, man, I'm just trying. I'm, I'm trying to repent. Well, ask God to help you. Ask God to say, Lord, I want to repent. I'm sick of this, and I can't do it on my own. He'll go, good, you're right. You can't. I'll help you. Now I'm going to help you repent. Now you'll come back home because you're already being obedient to God again. Does that make sense to you guys? Repentance is such a big deal because you guys are young, and you're going to stumble along the way, and you're going to get yourselves caught up in sin once in a while. And I want you to understand that when you do and when you come to your senses and when you realize what you've done, repent. Change your mind. I'm not doing this anymore. God, help me to repent so that I can live the way you want me to live. This is exactly what he did when he was feeding the pigs, and he changed his mind. And here's the deal. It wasn't, this is such a beautiful picture of repentance, because it wasn't just his sin that caused him to repent. Do you see what he did in this? He remembered how good his father is. You guys, we got to remember how good God is. When we get caught up in sin and we start doing our own thing, we get lost, the, the one thing we're going to remember is, I remember how good God is. And I remember how good I was when I read the Bible and I prayed and I walked with God and how much light I had and how good my life was. He remembered the goodness of his father. That's what brought him home. Make sense to you guys? God didn't chase him in the story. The father didn't go out and get him and hunt him down like he did with the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. He let this guy go, but in the midst of him letting us go, and God will let us go to discipline us at times, but when we're out there and we're, we're in the pig slop and we're somewhere we don't belong, I, I'm a Christian, I don't belong at this party on a Friday night, why am I here? How did I even get here? Because your heart wanted to go first and your body followed. Does your heart desire God more than you desire what you want? It's not rocket science, you guys. But when you get there and you come to your senses, I want you to remember how good God is. Now, here's the problem, though. Because when we get ourselves caught up in sin, we don't want to go back to God. Because it's hard. I'm ashamed. I don't want to go back and face my father with what I've done. He already knows. But if you confess, you won't find a problem with that. But he remembered how good his father was. Here's the deal. Remembering his servants, having food, Romans 2, 4 says this, don't, I, I, this is such a, listen to the scripture, and let this land on you for a second, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you, 
Do you guys get that in your lives? Do you realize how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with us as a bunch of human, as a bunch of sheep running around on this side of heaven? And it goes on to say, does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see the kindness that is intended to turn you? The kindness of God is intended to turn you from your sin. God's kindness, his goodness, he shows us that to get us to turn back to him. Because darkness and slavery and death is where we're headed with sin. But God's goodness is meant to turn us back to him. His heart went before he did. He confessed what he was going to do. And I like how he says, Father, he's going to go back and tell his father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. This kid understood one thing, and I want you guys to get this. When you sin, you're not sinning against your parents. When you sin, you're sinning against God. David said, I have sinned against you and you alone, Lord, when he did the deal with Bathsheba. David didn't sin against Uriah. David didn't sin. He harmed all these people, but he sinned against God. And that's why it's so important for you to learn to confess and repent. Because when you fall into sin, you're sinning against the one who died on the cross for you. And so we need to repent and ask him to forgive me, and you come back to him. And he'll forgive you, and he'll heal you up, dust you off, and send you on your way again to live for him. So we got to remember that when we confess, that's what we're doing. When we're confessing, all we're doing is coming into agreement with God that I'm a scumbag and I've been sinning. And forgive me for it, Lord. I'm so sorry that I've done this to you and to you alone. Because I've sinned against you. I need to repent and come back to you. That's part of the deal that we need to look at. Paul says this also in 2 Corinthians 7.10, and I'll close and move on to the next point here in just a minute. Listen to this. This has to do with repentance now because here's what, the, here's what it did. If you read it in different translations, the prodigal son didn't just say, I need to go home. He, it says, I will arise, I will go, and I will say. So I will arise in my heart, I will go to God, and I will confess my sin. That's repentance. Repentance, remorse is just going... Man, I can't believe I got busted. This sucks so bad. I'm sitting here in this pigsty. I don't know what I'm doing here. I need to go home to my dad. He's got much better stuff than I do and just sit there. That's not repenting. Repenting means I get it. I've come to my senses. I need to rise. I need to go and I need to say to God to forgive me. Does that make sense to you guys? Paul puts it this way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and the result is salvation. So he needed to leave the pigsty, his sin, and go back to the fathers where he went. And it goes on to say there's no regret in that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow lacks repentance and results in spiritual death. If he had just stayed there and not done anything but just thought about it, it does him no good. Does that make sense to you guys? You've got to go back to God. The prodigal son's actions followed his heart and his words, and he went home. And his returning is this, and I'll make this short so you guys can visit in his returning, it says, uh, verses 20 through 24. Turn back to the scripture real quick, and let's read those, and we'll close with this couple thoughts. So he got up, and he went, he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, man, I, I, you guys can see God in this picture. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. See how he did all that? He's doing exactly what he needed to do. But the father said to his, to his servant, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Bring a ring and put it on his finger, sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, 
Every time somebody gives their life to Christ, there's a party in heaven. It says the angels rejoice. So we're going to get together and celebrate. For this son of mine, what this son of mine was dead, but he's alive again. He's repented. He's came back and he's brought back to life. He is lost. He was lost and now he is found. So they began to celebrate. Watch this. All this is is this. He returned and his father was waiting for him. I want you guys to see this picture of God. God is watching and he's waiting and he's not chasing this guy down, but he watches. I got this up close with, when we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. And this, this father comes out and he runs to this guy. He runs out to his son from a distance and sees him a long way off. There's a couple things here that I would encourage you guys to get. Number one, elderly men in the Jewish tradition never ran. Never. It was disrespectful and not honorable for them to run. But you see the father running to his son. And I want you guys to catch this because I think it's in Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21. I heard this teaching one time and I'll never forget it. And I'll share it with you and we'll close with this, this basically this thought. Another reason why the father ran to him, you can parse this out, you can work it out this way, is when he ran out there, he put his arms around his son, right? Because in the Levitical law, what this kid did, he deserved to be stoned to death. He disrespected his family, and he deserved death. We as human beings deserve hell. We don't deserve what Jesus Christ has done for us. We don't deserve it because we could never earn it. There's nothing you can do, ever do to earn what Christ has done for you. And when you look at this father, and he comes out and he puts his arms around his son, in, in the picture that I read about was he is standing between everyone that has a rock to stone this kid. Because if you catch this in here, it says, quick. The father tells the servant, quick, get the robe, get the ring, get the, get the sandals and get him on this kid right now. Because my job is to protect my son. My job is to protect my child. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ has done for you. Nothing we can do to earn it, but he made the choice to reach out his arms, wrap them around you, and protect you from what we deserve, which is hell. The wrath of God is what we deserve as human beings. But Jesus Christ himself said, no, I'm going to take the punishment. I'm going to be the substitute. I'm going to stand between them and their punishment so they don't have to take it. I'll take it for them. You see how beautiful a picture that is because of what Jesus says? Because that's what the, the father says, quick, 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 because the father knew the law. Quick, 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 Jesus says, because Jesus knows we deserve the wrath of God. That's what we deserve as human beings because we're, we're estranged from God, and that's our punishment. But Jesus says, don't give them the punishment, put it on me. And when I realized that Jesus Christ drank the, the cup of the wrath of God that was meant for me, and he was my substitute, how dare I go on sinning? Do you guys understand? When you hang on to those things and you live that life, you won't fall back into sin. The robe, rep the robe represented he's part of the family again. The ring represents sonship or authority. And the sandals said, you're no longer a slave or a servant. You are my son. He said, when he started this conversation with his father at the beginning, he says, Dad, give me my inheritance. At the end of the story, he says, Dad, make me your servant. Make me your slave. Front end, you see a lot of pride. Give me what's mine. I'm out of here. The back end, after experiencing what he got to do what he wanted to, what you see is a young man going, Lord, make me into what you want me to be because I am not worthy of what you're giving me. Make sense? Turn your tables, talk about the questions, and we'll come back up in a few minutes.
right, you guys, I'm going to close this thing up. We were going to do a song, but it's too late. It's 8.15, a yak too long. All right, so here's the deal. Let me summarize the whole thing with this, okay? I'm going to summarize it with this. In the distant country, the prodigal son learned the meaning of misery. I want you guys to know that if you live in sin long enough, you're going to be miserable because you're going to be, you'll be isolated, you'll be alone. Sin loves, sin loves company, but you're going to be miserable. So this guy went away from home, and he learned what misery looked like. But when he went home to the father, he, le he learned what mercy looks like. And he had God's mercy when he went back home. He didn't earn it. He repented, and he went back home. And the father put the robe, the ring, and the sandals on him to say, son, you're part of the family again. Simply because he repented and he went home. Now, when he repents and goes home, like we were just talking at our table, there is work to be done. He's got to put effort in to stay within the family now, and he's got to make choices that he's going to honor his father from now on as far as him being part of that family. So if you guys ever find yourselves in life doing what Jesus tells you not to do, and you're young and you're going to be trying to figure all this out, you guys, <clears throat> but when you find yourself in a distant country in wild living for a moment and you come to your senses, I want you to know what repentance looks like. And when you repent and you come back, because you will arise, you will go and you will confess. You will say to God, Lord, I'm sorry, because I sinned against you and you alone. I didn't sin against anybody else that was against you, Lord, and I need your forgiveness. And, do ne and you never, listen, never be afraid to go back to God. You can do nothing. There's nothing you can do that will keep you, that God would look down and say, no, I'm not going to forgive you. Nothing. If you come back with a genuine heart to God, he will forgive you. And then he chooses not to remember any longer. And he says, okay, now let's go. Make sense to you guys? So if you find yourself in that spot, you know what it looks like now. And that's why I title, if I can give this title, this message a title, it's finding your way back home. Okay? So let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good. And I'm grateful, Lord, for the opportunity to go through the scripture with everyone tonight because it's such, and I, I'm just skimming along the surface, Lord. There is so much in this for us as believers to hang on to and learn from about you and about falling into sin and even the, the older brother, Lord, that I can't even, I don't have time to get into tonight. So I encourage the students to go read this scripture and really study it and allow you to search their hearts on where they're at. What part of this are they in? Are they, are they off and wandering away from you? Are they in a distant land or are they on their way back home? I don't know, but I know you do. Help these students to always remember how good you are to us and what you've done to bring us back into a relationship with you by giving your one and only son to die on a cross, be buried in a tomb, and then be raised from the grave three days later, all because you love us. Now, as we said before, Lord, you demonstrated your love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Help us to demonstrate our love for you by living to your glory by your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. You are dismissed. Have a great night, everyone.